My name is Kevin Hermans and I'm the chair of TC10. With me is one of our most active members, Sapem Sao from the University of Aalborg, who is organizing our podcast series. Hello, Sapem. Hi. So before we start, can you introduce our guest? Yes. Thanks a lot, Kevin. And uh, today we have uh, Professor Huai Wong, again from Aalborg University. And um, I guess he has been doing a lot of work in the field of reliability uh, engineering for Powertronics, but uh, nowadays he has shifted his focus to apply data-driven methods uh, to do the same analysis and maybe come with better results. So this is why we have, uh, uh, you know, we got hold of Hawaii so that we can learn more about uh, the upcoming innovations and what can be actually done uh, from an industrial point of view, uh, not just from academic point of view, to improve, uh, you know, this uh, paradigm of research in the field of AI and how can Powertronic engineers uh, look forward to it. Thank you so much, Y, for doing this. Thank you, uh, Subham. Uh, hello, everyone. And uh, thank you, Kevin, uh, for having me here to join this podcast. Uh, it will be my great pleasure to uh, have dialogue with both of you. Yeah, we are very yes. happy that, you, <laughs> that you're willing to participate in our podcast. So, um, yeah, maybe let's let me start with the first question. So what are some of the ongoing research that you are doing in your team using AI for power electronics? Can you elaborate a little bit on this? Yeah, sure. I think uh, first, uh, maybe I can introduce a little bit about uh, uh, the activities that are going on at the department level. So at the Department of, of Energy, uh, Abu University, uh, we have a mission called Digital Transformation and AI. So basically, uh, the vision of this mission is trying to bridge the research in the energy, uh, technology, AI, uh, so that we can create more resilient, uh, more cost affordable uh, energy uh, systems. So we have uh, 13 research groups actually aff affiliated with this uh, mission. Uh, we, we try to do something. So. Uh, regarding my research team uh, for the power electronics uh, application, uh, we mainly focus on uh, two things. Uh, the first is we try to apply some of the AI-based methods for the condition and healthy monitoring of power electronic components converters. So basically, uh, when the converter system operating in the field, uh, we would like to monitor the healthy conditions or if there are some uh, anomaly uh, happens so that if we can predict that in advance and then we have a chance to do better maintenance. Uh, this is one uh, research area that we have put a lot of efforts uh, in the last uh, few years. And the second one uh, actually is also related to this operation during the converter operation. Uh, we would like to, uh, uh, based on our estimation of the condition or operating conditions, we, we would like to adaptively change the control scheme so that we can either, for example, uh, to have better efficiency or have better capability to uh, overcome some of the abnormal operation uh, states. So that what we call uh, operation optimization of the converter systems. I think th these are the two uh, uh, application areas that we apply AI in power electronics. So maybe 
just a, another follow-up question on this. So, um, as you mentioned, that uh, so even the, so state of health analyzers and the adaptive uh, change control mechanisms mm -hmm. or schemes both will rely on on data sets where you train your artificial intelligence with are these data available and so first thing data availability and if data available is the quality what you require yeah, I think this is a very good uh, question. Actually, uh, we we see that okay, there there are a lot of different AI tools or algorithms available, and then when we approach to engineering problem like what we discussed, the condition monitoring for the power electronics converters, and then usually uh, how to obtain the proper data for the training is a key part. It takes a lot of efforts. Uh, this may be some report uh, estimates. I, I can't remember the 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 name, but it estimates that based on the previous case studies in industry, uh, maybe they spend more than eighty percent of their time to prepare data. Uh, in our research, I think uh, we make efforts uh, from three perspectives. I think I think the first one is uh, we could prepare some data based on the simulation. So we have uh, we could build up simulation models, but one of the things we need to consider is that how we can build up a simulation model that can help us to obtain relatively realistic data. So what does it mean realistic data is that we have to consider uh, the measurement accuracy, isn't it? For if you have an actual physical sensor, and then uh, what will be the uh, accuracy level? How how much Error it will introduce into the data, and also how much noise level we introduce, and what will be the limitation of your sampling frequency, because we know that theoretically we can, uh, if we consider simulation, it can generate very high frequency data that we can get, but uh, we have to uh, do some uh, data manipulation so that to get more uh, realistic data, and then how we can incorporate some of the mechanisms, for example. Uh, your component characteristics will change with temperature, uh, will change with your operating point. So if we can incorporate as much as possible those aspects into our simulation, and uh, actually simulation data could also work for us to train at least roughly uh, some of the models. Uh, the second one is uh, to get the data is to uh, uh, in the lab, we do uh, we do testing. Uh, we try to do testing at both component and converter level. Uh, not only a single component or single converter, but we aim to test multiple samples because we would like to incorporate the variancy or the tolerance, the uncertainty among different uh, component and converter units. This is something very important in the real application for the volume products. For example, if you if we produce uh, ten thousand cars on the road, and then the the, the, the inverter part, uh, even though they are produced with the same with the components with same part number, but then there's still performance variancy. So that's important to take into account uh, that the uh, the constraints 
in the sampling frequency, constraint in the measurement error, and also the representative data that covers the uncertainty and tolerance uh, of, of the from the converter. And the third effort uh, that we try to uh, make is, is to find out approaches, AI-based approaches that does not require too much data. Since obtaining the data takes too much time, uh, many times, so uh, how we can minimize the requirement on the data. So, uh, for example, we, we try to uh, combine uh, kind of data-driven methods, that means conventional neural network-based uh, methods and the physics models. Because the good thing, the beauty thing is that in power electronics, we already have many deterministic models, isn't it? Uh, those models has a high level of simplicity. Actually, from our perspective, we see that uh, AI is alternative way to obtain models, it? to make decisions. It's just alternative way. And then whether or not uh, it is better, this really depends to compare with what. Uh, what it? For, for some problems, we already have very good models. They're very simple. If you give the input, we can get output. So in that way, if we can combine uh, those existing well-established models and then with some AI tools, just solve part of the problems to obtain part of the models. And this is a good way for us to reduce the required data uh, for that. Uh, I think now uh, we hear, especially in recent years, I think when people uh, uh, like, uh, scientists in computer science, mathematics, or engineering application, when they discuss uh, the AI, uh, many of them uh, think that uh, in the future, I think AI is not necessarily about the big data, but more less data. I think this is even more true for engineering application, especially like in power electronics application. So how we can reduce the required data, even though we will get more and more data in the future. Uh, of course, Hopefully. the opportunity will be created, yeah. I think many uh, interesting points, but uh, I would like to have a follow-up question from your second point uh, here. Mm -hmm. is, uh, since you mentioned that the tolerance and also the noise variance, so would you actually somehow put that as a metric to quantify the quality of data or to define the quality of data, so to say? Yeah, uh, it is. Of course, we can consider it as a performance matrix of the data itself. Uh, it could be better if we have higher quality of data. But the reality is that uh, sometimes we don't have the luxury to have even better data than what we have. So in this way, uh, if we don't have very high quality data, we need to find ways to overcome the challenges, isn't it? Uh, for example, there, there, there are uh, machine, learner, uh, machine learning algorithms that can take into account the statistics aspect, isn't it? To take into account uncertainty uh, analysis uh, in the data. It assumes that, okay, your input data or also output data, labeled data, there are certain level of uncertainty or even incorrect information. And then how this 
this algorithm will finally come up with estimation of kind of confidence level, isn't it? Finally, you, you not get 100% uh, uh, sure without you say, okay, this is a certain level of probability that it will be this, this value and so on. So I think those kind of tools can help us to uh, reduce, somehow relax a little bit the requirements on the data as well. Uh, this is when, uh, if we don't have the perfect data that we, we would like to have uh, for that. But of course, the efforts can be made from both of these two uh, aspects. On the one hand side, we, we can think about, okay, how we can uh, design a kind of data logger uh, for power converters uh, to get exactly the data that can fulfill uh, the requirements of those AI algorithms. But on the other hand side, we can think about if we can reduce the requirement of the data, because if we can achieve acceptable results for the practical application, but meanwhile can reduce the requirement of the measurement system, this can reduce the cost. Yeah. Acceptable results is a good, uh, good point. So even with the data available, would you say uh, that these methods already reached so to say the break even point into industrial applications and uh, emerging on the first market segments and if so which of these mar yeah, which market segments are these where we will see first application of uh, artificial intelligence applications in power electronics yeah i think uh, uh, they have already been used of course implemented uh, uh, from our, uh, we, we have done, uh, I think maybe one half year ago, uh, two years ago, we have done uh, a literature overview about uh, how AI has been uh, started uh, in the academic research. And uh, maybe a few of them is from, from industry. And uh, we see that uh, AI has been used for the design phase when we design a converter. So especially we do uh, much objective optimization. So this can help to accelerate the process to solve the equations, multi equations to find out uh, the optimal, either global, globally optimal or locally optimal uh, design variable solutions. And the, the second is used for control. Uh, actually we see, uh, we have looked at uh, five journals in power electronics and uh, out of these 444 papers, uh, about 78%, if I remember correctly, is related to control and 10% related to uh, design. And the rest is related to the, the third part is condition monitoring uh, for that. Uh, as far as uh, I see, I think especially on the design part, it has already been applied. Uh, for example, there, there are companies that dedicated to provide solutions so we can optimize the design of magnetic components or, or converters and so on. And uh, also we, according to the discussion with some of our industry partners, actually many years ago, maybe even 20 years ago, they started to utilize those uh, AI-based methods to do design optimization, uh, to, to reduce the design time and so on. This has been uh, applied in industry uh, I think one of the reasons why this particular part has been applied is because, uh, first of all, 
the design process in the design phase, it is offline. So it is offline process. Uh, the second is that it's very easy to verify. And if you use this, uh, like genetic algorithms to solve uh, a multi-objective optimization problem, and then you come up with a design solution, it's, and then you build up the prototype, it's easy for us to verify that. Isn't it? And uh, regarding the control and, uh, uh, and the condition monitoring, uh, I cannot say there is uh, definitely no application, uh, but uh, uh, as far as uh, I know, they're not as much as uh, application, mass, I mean, massive application in the, in the field. Uh, the reason is that, uh, one of the reasons that uh, this, these two application, uh, it's not so easy to verify. As far as I see, uh, one of the critical question for the, for the actual application is that, okay, is the result is repeatable? What about the accuracy level? Uh, let's say, let's take example for the control of power electronic converters. Uh, there are uh, uh, a lot of methods or research to look at the control uh, by using purely, either purely based on AI approach or based on hybrid way. Uh, we use conventional control like PI or sliding mode. And then for some part, we, we use the AI algorithm to detect that and to change the control schemes and so on. Uh, very, very excellent research. Uh, also company tried to do that, demonstrate that. But uh, if, we, if we look at the, the control, the output of the control, it's a digital signal to, to control, turn on, turn off our switch. This is very fast, maybe microsecond level or even lower. And it requires extremely high accuracy, isn't it? If something is wrong, if the output, and then it may fail our converter, the conventional control, they do very well. It's kind of deterministic, isn't it? If the feedback signal is not manipulated, like uh, I think Sobem, you know better, if there's no cyber attack, this kind of things, uh, it could work. Supposedly, it's a deterministic process. Uh, now, the situation is that, okay, we can apply some AI tools-based controls, and then we can demonstrate in the lab that it works. Uh, the question is that, how about if you run it for 10 years or five years? And how about if you run it for uh, 10,000 inverters in the car? And what would be the accuracy level? Or uh, what would be the error level? What would be the consequence for that? Do we have a second layer to, to ensure that if something happens, we can detect it? Uh, we can prevent the consequence of that. Uh, so I think this, this, is, uh, this may be uh, very important that for us to, to demonstrate or to solve so that we can bridge the gap between the research and, uh, uh, and the real application uh, for that. Gain, gaining the trustworthiness is the most important thing here, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and uh, actually, that's a nice stat to go ahead with, uh, if I can say, because uh, I mentioned that almost 78% of the papers uh, on AI has been focused on control, but he also mentions at the same time that, uh, you know, there is a big gap when we look at uh, from an uh, from an industrial perspective, uh, the solutions in the field, 
they are not as much as uh, as we see for design so then what do you think uh, you know might change the adoption rate of data driven tools uh, for the industries uh, so that we see more of these solutions be coming into the market in the next uh, five years or maybe even 10 years yeah i think uh, at least uh, from two aspects but first of all i would like to add uh, that uh, even though it has not been massively applied for some application, but there, there are a lot of benefits, uh, promising benefits, uh, at least demonstrated in the labs for, for short period of operation or for single converters. Uh, it can improve the control performance and so on. And uh, maybe at least two aspects. The first one is that we need more demonstrations, even more comprehensive demonstrations. And we need more case studies, especially uh, in, in this field. If we can build up uh, somehow uh, good case studies and make it open access and people, researchers or engineers from all over the world, they can try to repeat the result. And also they can based on that to build up, try their own methods. So this can save, uh, kind of make it more efficient. Isn't it? Many, many basic uh, case studies, data, infrastructures, uh, or even the algorithms and so on. Uh, if they can quickly get a copy of that and then they can try that. The more people use it and the more demonstration uh, will come out. And they can, if they can start very fast and then uh, that could help. And another aspect is that it's still, uh, we have to think about when we, when we apply AI or not, because don't forget that we have we have many other other methods or we call long AI based methods, uh, especially for control, and we have to uh, identify. Okay, uh, is there possible gain or value creation by applying the AI based control compared to our existing control in this particular application? If if it turns out that there is no value creation and then there is no uh, motivation to use it. So we have to identify certain engineering problems from the beginning that, okay, this is, uh, this at least possibly it can create new values. And then uh, if we say there are some intermediate steps, we can gradually apply that, you know, uh, like we still use part of the existing control method, determines more deterministic way to do that. And then, uh, but we can use AI algorithm based on the operating data to detect whether we need to change the control scheme or even change your control parameters or change to another modulation, depending on the operating condition, depending on the, uh, this operating condition means like your loading condition, uh, your grid condition, uh, your environmental condition and so on. And, or depending on our degradation status. So we just use AI to assist the existing control to make it better. And then this is a this is a intermediate step to to it's a hybrid approach. Uh, and then if we say okay, finally we want to use in some application if we find uh, use purely AI based control method, it can create values. In this way, we 
we, we still, uh, because as a power electronics researcher, uh, the unique competence for us compared to a computer scientist is that we know the converter operation or component very well. We know a lot of deterministic aspects, established models. So we still have the opportunity to, to somehow combine those aspects, isn't it? The, the advantage of this is that we could have better uh, explainability of that. After we have the result or the operation, we, we can understand better what is the process. The second one is that we still, uh, we may find a second layer if something wrong from the uh, AI part and how we can do that to avoid uh, severe consequence or how we can uh, bypass it uh, by using another way to control the converter. Uh, that could be, yeah, that, that's something that I can think at the moment. Yeah, but there could be many other uh, aspects to, to think about. Yes, I like this. Uh, in, in a way, I think we need to come up with some plug and play solutions which can uh, assist the existing infrastructure. And uh, that would, you know, pave the way for the industries to actually go and adopt these plug and play solutions uh, and also cheap and affordable solutions because uh, that is also one of yes. the requirements which, which is uh, very important. But uh, if, if you look at this, then we can actually see there are a lot of, you know, uh, algorithms coming up which can be actually deployed into processors like the tiny ML and all these things. So would you like to also share some of the most promising AI tools which are best suited for some of the challenges that we have uh, in Powertronics today? Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, there are there are many tools and also more tools uh, coming out uh, proposed by mathematicians, computer science uh, scientists, and so on. And uh, one particular uh, tools or aspect of tools that we tried recent years is uh, what we call the physics informed AI. I think maybe I already mentioned uh, in the in the first uh, question. Uh, Physics-informed AI is a combination of the data-driving-based, uh, data-driving part, and the established models. So these established models may be uh, differential equations. We know, we know the uh, equivalent model or state-based model of the converters and so on. Those are differential equations. And then we combine them together. Uh, so there, there is good framework that already proposed by computer scientists they, they have, or AI scientists, they, they have proposed this already. It, it has been applied in other fields. Uh, but this, uh, this can combine our competence as a power electronics researcher and engineers, and then the AI uh, algorithms. So I think uh, personally, I, I like this idea and also uh, I also think this would be a very natural thing uh, to use because uh, creating the new value is, is, is key to determine whether we use AI or not. Okay. Uh, we, we, uh, so since they're already well-established part in power electronics, we don't need to use AI for everything. Uh, this is uh, our experience from, uh, from the research. Yeah. 
that's good to hear. <laughs> but maybe, or I think a lot of people would be happy about that. Um, but um, yeah, maybe let's change a little bit the uh, the um, focus or the point of view. What would you mm -hmm. recommend if I would, if I were a student with a background mm -hmm. in power engineering, and mm -hmm. I'm just interested? Okay, I, I know a little bit how to operate a converter, mm -hmm. and now I'm interested to apply AI. How do I get into that? Yeah. Uh I think first of all, uh, you still maybe you still need uh, some basics of the AI and machine learning. Uh, the good thing is that nowadays there are so many excellent resources uh, for us to learn uh, machine learning uh, and some details. There are open open uh, course. I think uh, very good course like from MIT, from Stanford. Uh, we can easily find them. And also uh, many open access uh, documents, but th those costs, I think, uh, uh, are very good for us to get a start uh, to to know that. And in those costs, uh, different platforms uh, have been introduced. That is the basics since. And then the second step is uh, still try to understand, uh, try to come back a little bit the history. And we, we always, I think. Uh, the literatures help us. So if you start to read some overview papers in this field, and then you can quickly uh, find out the important reference to that. Because after we read those references, we can get inspirations. At least we, we know what kind of question, what, what kind of challenges have not been solved and what have been solved. That is... Uh, uh, that is a way to inspire us to come up with new ideas uh, uh, for that. I think coming up with the question is the first important step, isn't it? If we come up with the right question and then maybe we have solved half of the uh, This is where challenges. it all starts. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. For if, if I were a computer scientist, I have to find a friend who is mm. background in power electronics. But maybe this is a good initiative. We can ask uh, the society people if they can come up with a course uh, specifically designed for electronics engineers, uh, which could be really cool because uh, then the practicing engineers just, you know, uh, enroll to this course and start right away. So this could, exactly. be, this could be very exciting. Yes. Exactly. This is the direction I'm, I'm thinking uh, currently. And uh, yeah. maybe there are some other things you have in mind where the Technical Committee 10 on design methodologies may help to get more momentum on this topic. Yeah. 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 I think actually, uh, Suva, maybe you, you know or not, we, we uh, at uh, yeah. the department, we are initiating a three-day course that, that focused on the power electronics application. Uh, I think the first version will be in this March. Uh, no, not March, it's April, early April. Yeah, that is uh, aims for PhD students. Uh, that uh, our aim is that we will try to uh, make this course more case study based, uh, because the basics of AI. Uh, I think there are many other courses have been covered. So we will direct the students. Okay, you maybe you have to watch those videos and so on to get the the, the basics understanding of that. 
And then we will introduce different case studies so that they can they can practice during the course because uh, this may be an effective way for them to uh, to know how to start uh, to really do it. Yeah. Are you also planning to do some kind of hands-on exercises as well? Yes, so in this course. Yes, yes, yes. That'd be nice. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's let's do more. Uh, let's uh, talk more about uh, yes. you know some uh, philosophical questions on AI now. So yes, oh. and this is this is always, <laughs> this, is always yeah. Yeah. this is always a debate because uh, when these um, uh, digitalization efforts are coming in, uh, yes. people are also uh, you know skeptic. They are also doubtful. Do they want to accept this or not? Do they trust this or not? And I think this word has already been uh, spoken many times uh, in the podcast. So, what are your views on the you know social acceptance of such technologies uh, across the world? Yeah, as as, as in broadly speaking, uh, people concern about you know the safety of the AI. People concern the data privacy, uh, especially. Uh, the data related to uh, human being. Uh, but regarding the power electronics application, if we go come back to the power electronics application, I think our uh, system is engineering system, isn't it? Uh, I would say uh, the data uh, are not as sensitive as personal data. Like if 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 a company use uh, your your uh, transaction records or your online purchase to to analyze your behavior and then to send you advertisement and so on. Those may be more sensitive than this power converter data uh, for that. So uh, for this engineering application, uh, of course, the, the cybersecurity is very important, isn't it? Because if, I think you know better, Subam, you're working on this. Uh, if you manipulate the data, especially uh, the online data, uh, if this online data is critical for, for for the for the system to make decision, and then this this may cause uh, some some issue for that. Uh, and then uh, if we look at actually, if we look at the AI, we call the artificial intelligence, and uh, actually, from 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 my perspective, I I, I don't. Uh, care too much about the terminology that we use or different type of uh, AI algorithm. Uh, I really care about, I consider it as a tool, isn't it? It's an alternative tool that help us to, to build up models uh, to or to analyze the, the features and patterns from the data isn't it? Uh, for power electronics application. Uh, strictly speaking, I would say uh, the method we use is still rich not have not reached a level that the intelligence level that uh, the pioneers in 1950s uh, when they predict what artificial intelligence would be isn't i would consider this as a kind of uh, digital uh, intelligence isn't we based on the data digital information we come up with models and then to either for the optimization of the converters or control or condition monitoring and so on this is not uh, uh, reach the level, a kind of more general uh, intelligence and so on. It's, it, it, it's, I would say it's still uh, 
away, far away from the biological intelligence, like, like human beings. So this is more kind of digital intelligence uh, for that. Uh, but regarding the acceptance level, uh, I think no matter, uh, we have to look at this uh, first, in many applications already demonstrated that it can bring values, okay? But like many other things, this has two, the two sides of the coin, and then we, we have to address the challenges uh, while we advance the technology. Uh, I think government, universities, research centers, they have uh, different people, like why people working on the AI, but another people working on the uh, uh, safety, data privacy, and so on related to the AI. So there, I think people need to work together. So how to uh, reduce the bias, uh, reduce the uh, consequence that due to manipulate of the data and so on. Yeah, uh, but uh, the acceptance, actually we used, we, we experienced the result of AI in our daily life. Isn't it? If, you, if we look at uh, like uh, this Siri, uh, or if we, if you look at Google search, uh, Google Translate and so on. Uh, this is a COVID uh, uh, data forecast. All of this we see daily, uh, but uh, we have to work on the aspect that to make it more safe, uh, uh, minimize the bias and so on. Uh, I think that's important. Yeah. So what would you say then it requires a few more lighthouse projects to show what are the really benefits getting out of this. I mean, in the end, the bias is always something that people are afraid, do not really understand what's, what's going on. And mm -hmm. uh, then it requires more to show what, what it is enabling rather than being afraid of it, making use of it. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, in, are you talking about refer to this uh, power electronics application or in general? Um, both. Um, I mean, this something can be applied on, on in general, but I mean, in the power electronics field, it's the same way. Um, recently talked to some design engineers doing, I, I would say, the old-fashioned way of designing converters um, mm -hmm. by calculations. These people are afraid of uh, the emerging methodologies. So, um. yes, yes, a dem demonstration. Uh the benefit, the, the value creation uh, is important, uh, but we didn't see it too much. Even there are uh, a lot of publications in the field. And, uh, the thing is that maybe different researchers work in different case studies. It's really, it's not so easy to compare the, or benchmark the results or benchmark the benefits. And, uh, that's why, like in, in our research, I think uh, last year we started uh, a research to to do condition monitoring, to basically to do parameter estimation uh, in a simple bar converter. So uh, some of my students, okay, they try to they they start with some AI based method, but then we discuss that okay. Uh, I think the first question we need to ask ourselves is that do we really need AI-based method. It is possible that we just use a simple model based on, on the bar converter. And then uh, can we get the results, acceptable results, isn't it? And uh, so that's why we start to, to try the model itself 
and then we calculate the error. We get a certain level of error, and we see okay, maybe this error is too high. So that that is convincing for us to to try alternative method, and then we try the two different uh, methods, uh, and we compare the accuracy level. We compare the uh, computation time basically related to the implementation complexity and so on. So in this way, we can somehow uh, have a consistent case study, but we can demonstrate the performance uh, uh, improvement. I think demonstrating the performance improvement based on consistent case study, this is important. That's why uh, if uh, we actually in the next five years, we, we have some plan, I think Suha, maybe you know, uh, we will try to build up open access data platform. So the idea is that we would like to uh, uh, put well-documented case studies, let's say a bar converter or three-phase inverter uh, or single-phase inverter or back-to-back -back converter and so on. Uh, the case study that we have studied, and then we will put all kinds of data that we can make it uh, public available simulation models, algorithms, and so on, so that uh, we hope that this can help uh, the research community uh, to try at least to get started and then to improve it. You know, the more people work on it, we can accelerate the progress uh, for that. It's the idea there to show, I mean, yeah, in, in, in the sense of a benchmark, so that you, if you're a design engineer, having your model running and doing the designs, that you would be, I mean, it is a multi-dimensional problem, and then you see the limitations of what you're currently doing. And then mm -hmm. you can compare with your uh, database, so to say, and see, okay, um, wh where am I on, on, on the um, performance map? Mm -hmm. And um, what can I do to, to improve my, my own performance? Is this the idea? Yes, that's re related to design, for example. If it, uh, they use the existing way to come up with a design, they spend this amount of time, maybe they need to do simulation, they need to uh, maybe make uh, hardware, maybe not one time, maybe two times, or iterations and so on. And then if we, based on uh, some optimization algorithms, we start to look at, we also come up with the design, and then we can compare, for example, the, the design time, uh, how long time it takes for, for us to come up with this, this prototype design, and what, what are the performance of the prototype uh, for that. I think this can be uh, not, when, would, would not be so difficult to, uh, to compare, but we, we need such kind of demonstrations uh, because industry, maybe they, uh, uh, in many cases, maybe they don't have uh, the resource to really from scratch to do the comparisons. Uh, but if such kind of demonstrations are published or make it open access, and then I think they can correlate with their application to see the potentials, whether this can also be applied to their design. Uh, that can make make them more efficient, maybe make the R&D more efficient. If you make the R&D more efficient, it's, it's more likely that uh, uh, this would be tried or investigated. Yeah, I think I have also heard of uh, similar competitions uh, maybe done by the artificial intelligence or Comsoc Society. 
what they do is they basically publish your data and then the competitors. So you can actually come up with some, you know, these nature inspired uh, algorithms to optimize or to minimize a particular objective function. So then everyone is trying to come up with an algorithm. And if you get, you know, if your score uh, in this uh, in this way, the output is, you know, the global minimum, then you win the competition. Mm-hmm. So everyone is trying to, you know, uh, work on this. Yes. And then, so this can also be done when, which uh, I mentioned uh, for the, you know, reduction in design time, uh, something for pills. I don't know if they're hearing. That's very good idea. Very good. Very good idea. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we, we all started as a children uh, video games and uh, then the high score is already <laughs> yes. all the way, all the time drove us to, to play and play. So uh, maybe, maybe this is still in, in a lot of people. Yes. But uh, if, if I look at this or uh, this question, which I asked previously, and if I kind of twist it now, what would you think? is, uh, you know, where do you think will the probability of failure be higher now? Uh, is it a model-driven approach for Powertronics or a data-driven approach right now? Again, I, I know that for different applications, maybe for design, I think uh, you will have a better design uh, from a data-driven approach. But for control, I think the probability of failure might be higher uh, mm-hmm. from a data-driven approach. So how would you, you know, where would you put it? like this yeah i would say uh the data-driven approach and model-based approach uh do not contradict with each other i i would most see that we use them both isn't it uh analytical models or even numerical models have the highest level of simplicity they don't have the data, they don't need any data. It, it is an established model, deterministic model. And if we have that, we just use them. Uh, but if we look at a converter design uh, or control, whatever, we, we can divide them into two groups. We have one group that we have well-established models. We have another group that uh, we don't have the models. The reason we don't have the models is either because it's too complex for us to build up the models, the input and output, the relationship of that, or it would take much more efforts to build up the models. And then we will use the AI to address the second group, the second part. And we will use the well-established models to, to uh, address the first group. Yeah, that, that is, uh, uh, at least at the moment, it is our approach, how we see it. Uh, but it's not necessarily the best uh, uh, way to go. Exactly. We, we try to go for this way. And uh, yeah. if, we, if we, in our preliminary study, if we, if we find that, okay, uh, if the AI-based uh, approach, uh, the accuracy, if, if both, uh, if we could use both either uh, both the AI based approach or the model based approach, we will do a preliminary comparison. We will see, okay, uh, which one works better in terms of what, usually in terms of accuracy, in terms of uh, the time, the resource needed. And, and then we will choose one of them uh, for that. 
also yeah. uh, we we also have to consider the energy consumption to run the AI algorithm, isn't it? It's right. if we work on complex uh, uh, problems. Yeah. Uh, that's why I say the well-established analytical models have the highest level of simplicity. We we like that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a brilliant actually uh the resources required to actually get these algorithms running so yeah i think uh, i agree with you uh and that's why i think combining both these worlds uh model and data uh could be an innovative approach at least for for our world but uh when we talk about our world uh we are of course taking a lot of knowledge uh from the you know the data scientists uh, mm. and then what they have done. But do you think, uh, you know, all the work that we will be doing in our field can actually lead to uh, fundamental breakthrough in AI, which the data scientists might explore later? Uh, so do you anticipate any such uh, events uh, in the future uh, that might come upon? Yeah. I'm not sure if we can uh, need the fundamental breakthrough in the AI algorithm itself, but there, there is possibility. There is possibility. Uh, the way I see it that it is based on our experience. For example, we, we have collaborations with, uh, with computer scientists. Uh, we have a project that is the Synergy project. So basically, uh, we work with uh, computer scientists, but also uh, mathematicians uh, for that. And then uh, one of the uh, our unique competencies that we could come up well-defined engineering problem. And they can come up with uh, a suitable algorithm. And then we can demonstrate it, at least in the lab or in the field operation. And along this process, uh, we found that actually we can, we can provide a lot of inspirations for them because many of the uh, issues, maybe they haven't thought about. Uh, even this physics-informed AI or this, uh, uh, the, the algorithm that take into account uh, the variations, uncertainties, and so on. Uh, Actually, in our discussions, we see that actually we ourselves can come up with similar ideas actually during the discussions because we always ask the questions related to the physical explanation. What is the meaning of that? And, and what are the assumptions behind this algorithm? And what are the constraints and so on? And it is possible to add, for example, to, uh, to consider this data actually have a certain level of error or loss factors, and it's possible to consider that, okay, include the probability analysis into the process. We have come up with those questions. And then later, when we read more papers in other fields or based on their input, okay, they say, oh yes, there, there are some method like uh, that can combine uh, physics and data. And there are some method can, can take into account those things. Isn't it? So actually, uh, that means maybe we're not so lucky that uh, uh, even though we, we, we approach to these questions, we would have also come up with that, those, those kind of uh, framework and algorithm, but uh, some other people have already done that. 
but perhaps in the future, if we deeply uh, go to the application, the engineering problem, maybe we can come up with some uh, uh, specific questions related to power electronics that need to be solved. For example, how we can solve the accuracy issue in the control, you know, the challenge in the control. If we start from this question, if it's possible for us to come up with something in the in the algorithm level or the, the concept level and then for, for this uh, highly dynamic and fast uh, switching system. So, so uh, that's why I say uh, I'm not sure if we can, but there is possibility. But the possibility could come from deep understanding of the of the power electronic system, the engineering problems. And then start from that. We ask the right questions and then perhaps when you have a shower and then you come up with some uh, some good ideas for that. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I think uh, Powertronic Society has already ensured that uh, we have a platform for demonstration. So mm -hmm. yes, I think some cool uh, demonstrations uh, in this field as well on AI and Powertronics can actually be done. And that is also one of the initiatives by DC10. Mm -hmm. So yeah. student in ECCE could be a good way to start, uh, you know, to start and then we can actually even look at some competitions as well uh, later uh, in the future. So yeah, that's, that's very good to hear. Yes. I guess a lot of insights uh, on AI. Uh, so Kevin, do you have any more insights? Um, actually, uh, I had to look on the on the clock. So uh, we have to okay. keep in, in the time frame. And yes. uh, I, I, to be honest, I, I could talk the rest of the day about uh, the topic. <laughs> but um, yes. yeah, maybe we, we lose some of some of the listeners of the podcast uh, during when, when it's too long. But um, maybe we can we can use this as an appetizer to join some of our activities within TC10. So the TC is open to everyone who is interested in this topic or even other topics. So design automation in general, we have uh, the cyber physical security topic. So there is a lot of new new emerging fields. And um, yeah, these fields, yeah. I mean, one thing I hope the listeners will come back, found it appealing and will come back to our next podcast is the first thing. And the other thing is, Think about joining TC10 and uh, get engaged into the activities, actively engaged. I think that's important. I mean, you can even join and listen, but uh, it is worth it is worth to uh, to consider taking an active role. I mean, it helps both sides. So the community will grow, and personally, it makes totally sense. And so what I can say from my side, at least. And even if it's it's uh, not that even if uh, you have to be an expert to actually join this, it's also a matter of learning because we have established uh, working groups uh, for AI and uh, design and then cybersecurity as well. So you know, these meetings will really help uh, you know your understanding about a particular topic. And this is also a very good way of learning more about what other work that has been done in AI now and then, you know, come up with uh, an innovative solution as well. So yes, uh, looking forward to see you all there, I guess. Yes, it's so, great to yes. hear that uh, the activities in the TC10, I think uh, 
will be looking forward to yes, yes. collaborate or contribute to some of the uh, things here. Yes. And this counts as one of the contribution from you as well. So thank you so much uh, for doing this podcast with us. It was lovely uh, actually having a chat about all kinds of AI topics. And I think we can go more and more, but uh, time is always the constraint. So yes, uh, thank you so much once again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you everyone to join this. Yes.